millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Good afternoon, good morning, good evening, wherever you are in the world. I'm Russell Tovey. And I'm Robert Diamond. And this is Talk Art. Welcome to Talk Art. How are you today, Rob? Today, Russell, I am feeling like the sweetest taboo. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Tell me about it. Um, well, Sade is actually one of my heroes. So, I mean, that song in itself is just an iconic moment in my life. And it's I just think she's got so much elegance and um, kind Poise. of... She's just major and the guest we're meeting today is not Sade but it's someone else that is also one of my heroes because I think everything she stands for is exactly where we need to be at the world right now and it's definitely bringing about progress and community and um, making space uh, for queer people of colour and um, just kind of the most amazing person who I met in Margate recently and we went for dinner and she had just curated a show at Quench Gallery invited by Lindsay Mendick and Guy J. Oliver. Yes. And the thing that struck me the minute I met her was her generosity and the way that she loves art and loves other artists because she's an amazing painter in her own right but also um, has, I would almost say, has a real great ability with installation as well, like an installation artist because her current exhibition, which is on at Tawani, is really thoughtfully installed. It's not your everyday exhibition of uh, paintings. Like, it isn't straightforward, even though they're these beautiful, um, luscious kind of um, abstract paintings. But even, like, the, the seats, the way it's been installed to sort of slow people down, allow people to sit, allow people to be together, commune together, and take your time. Mm-hmm. And in, in an art space, it's 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 genius. And um, flowers and ceramics, and there's all these wonderful elements. So... We are very proud to welcome to Talk Art, Michaela Yearwood-Dan. Hi, Michaela. Wow. Hi. <laughs> How <laughs> that are you was doing? a good one. Um, <laughs> yeah, I'm good, thank you. Thank you so much for joining us. We were late today and we've uh, apologised <laughs> profusely to you, but on, on, on air we want to say sorry oh. for that, but we found you drinking a margarita when we turned up. Love that. Yeah, I was just watching memes and drinking a margarita. <laughs> <laughs> and you were living, living. <laughs> I was like, having a great time. <laughs> you, and then we turned up and you're like, oh. Now I have to do some work. Yes. <laughs> the flow. This is a and work. Also, no. this is fun. You were worried you were going to be late because of why? Um, I was watching Drag Race. <laughs> Love. US, US Drag Race. Um, yeah, it got, it got really good. I was, the other day, me and my partner were going to watch an episode and um, I was like, no, we can't because sometimes it gets really unpredictable and you think you're going to have a nice time and like watching, mm. just watching Drag Race and then like you're crying. And, mm. and, that, and you know, sometimes you just want light, chill entertainment in the evening. And this was definitely one of those episodes where 
we were both <laughs> crying. I was Sobbing. like putting my makeup on to come here. Oh. And I started crying and I was just like, can we be late? Um, and no, I was actually a little bit early. <laughs> <laughs> what what was what was emotional about this? singular episode oh it's just you know when they do the thing where they're like what would you say to your younger mm. self mm. and it always you know like you know these like really talented hard-working queer people having to like talk to their younger self and sometimes the you know sometimes people say stuff and it's just a bit like Ugh, whatever like you're not like you're you're choosing not to be vulnerable like you're being very like surface level mm. and then other times you're just you're crying because they're they're really digging deep and accessing stuff that obviously you could only kind of like access if you've been through stuff or you know you know you're giving yourself that permission to actually you know be in in mm. the space. So yeah, that's what happened. <laughs> does it make does it make you think what you say to your younger self? Yeah. I think I was, I don't know, when I st- stopped being a young self, I was like one of those like 10-year-old, 70-year-olds, I think. <laughs> Love. I was a bit, like a bit, you know, I mean, I think as a child you're always a little bit bratty, but I think I was quite like assured of myself. You were a theatre kid, weren't you? <sighs> so I think that's why How we get on. Know? Did I tell someone? <laughs> <laughs> Who did I tell? <laughs> Me? Singing. <laughs> singing. <laughs> what? Theater. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, to darling. No, um, yeah, no. I went to drama school for like after school drama club. Same. Yeah. Um. In, in, in Putney, where I like lived near, and um, yeah, and then I also played instruments in school and outside of school, and I used to go to Saturday music school <laughs> for like years. What instruments? The flute, singing, and piano. Do you still keep it up? No, not really. I mean, I could like if you if you put if you gave me a flute, and you'd said, do Play something tune, with I'd it. I'd be able to do something with it. I'd be able to make noise out of it. If you gave me a piano, I'd you know be able to do some scales and stuff. If you gave me like a month on each of them, I'd probably be able to do well, things that's impressive. again. Was there art at the same time then? Because obviously you were going to go into a creative field. You were you were channeling that. You were chasing that. Yeah. Um, I mean, I guess I. As a child, I don't think I'd ever would have said, "Oh, I'd go to art school." Mm. I think you know, I tried. I did auditions um, for things for a bit. Skins was big at, a t- at the time, <gasps> and like I tried to audition for that, and I did open calls and got like callbacks and stuff, and it was fun. Um, didn't get anything, and then was like devastated and was just like, "Acting's not for me." Yeah, I can't do that because clearly the, the world the rejection is too much. Yeah, 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 and then um, music, the same kind of thing, but like you know, you don't. Like the routes that you're told to take, like the only routes you know. So yeah. I like applied to possibilities, aren't there? Yeah, you don't know yeah. Yet. And like I, you know, I wasn't like affluent growing up or anything. So I just it was like you know it was always like open calls and like things yeah. you could see. So I remember like I applied to the Brit School and I really thought I was going to get in and I didn't. And I'm so incredibly grateful that I didn't, mm. um, because the rejection was so bad that. I was just like, well, I'm never, ever singing ever again. I'm never going to do any of this stuff ever again. And then con- continue to make art and did really well at art in school. So, so what, when did art first come into your life? Were you drawing? Were you painting? Were you what, what, Where did you find the joy there? 
I mean, always, like literally always. Like um, I remember when I was when I did um, New Contemporaries. My dad had bought this little notebook because he always carries around like a little pocketbook and like a pencil, and um, it was like filled of like all these really bad drawings that I would do as a kid on like, the tube Aww. and stuff because like my dad lived in East London and my mum lived in South so I'd like we'd get the tube all the way back to here so I'd like draw on the train and stuff and um what people or... yeah but like really bad 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 drawings of people and I used to do a thing where I'd colour them in and I would like only like everyone I, co- I made was always brown but I'd only ever colour their face and I'd forget their arms and legs. <laughs> oh, wow. I was like, wearing really long gloves. Um, <laughs> so, yeah. And I just sort of saw my dad and, like, a bunch of my friends, like, crowded around him. And I was like, what is happening? Um, and he was showing them these pictures that he'd kept. Why did he carry a notebook for himself or you? For himself. Like, he would, like, note things down, ideas. He's like, quite, a, like, a ideas man. And he, like... Um, now he's like retired as well, so he like started like writing poetry. Oh. And he um was like a trained carpenter and did like he taught design and technology. Then he started teaching primary school. So yeah, like he just like drawing and stuff. And he's he's actually very skilled. He won't call himself an artist, I'm sure. Um, even though I have tried and told him that he definitely is, but oh, he's yeah. a craftsman and an he's artist. a craftsman yeah. sure and he like carves and like whittles and stuff <gasps> and yeah so how i mean how proud must he be he's hung on to all those yeah childhood drawings yeah. and now you're having these exhibitions and you're having lots of success and yeah. you're having institutional interest yeah what is that like for him now i mean must be incredibly proud yeah yeah i think he is it's quite funny because my dad can be quite a um i think sometimes he pretends to be like quite sort of like stern faced and pretends that he's like kind of just like nonchalant and chill about it and he'll be like kind of like nonchalant chill to me about it and then I'll hear from other people all these nice things that you said and then he'll send me like a really nice text message about it all and I'm just like thanks dad (laughs) amazing so Rob Rob was talking about in the opening that you you curated a show yeah at uh, Quench Gallery which is Lindsay Mendick and Guy Oliver Space in Margate that that wasn't the first time you created a show, or it was. Yeah, I think I would I would say it was like it was the first time that like I personally had curated a show. Like obviously, when you'd be in sort of like DIY group shows and stuff, you all have a little hand in curating. Mm, mm. But you're usually showing your own work, so I also think there's like an element of like I want this space, I want to <laughs> have this space, and everyone else can do their own thing around me. <laughs> like, you know, there's that kind of um self. Um, serving element to it but in the show um, it was called Hard as Nails and um, it was Madalena Zadra who's a painter and she makes like these kind of like um, sort of mono printed dyed canvas works that she'll like stitch together and they're quite like they've got like a humorous element to them and they're very like simple in like their execution, but they're like the choice of colour and like form and stuff is really beautiful. And mm. um, we've actually got a freeze by her in our bedroom at home. Um, oh, nice. I, lo- I love her work. I think it's yeah, amazing. it's really yeah. beautiful. And actually, and, I discovered it in your show. Yeah. Oh, and um, then we've got Miranda Forrester as well, who um, I think is getting more like relatively known and stuff. Um, I met her when I went back to Brighton Uni to give a talk about work. And I like purposely 
went to check in on all the um, all the black people in their final year to make sure they were doing all right because I found Brighton a bit of a difficult space in terms of that, um, in terms of like race and uh, sort of navigating that space as, as an educational institute. And Emily Moore, who's an artist who I recently kind of came across mm. um, through like other like peer groups and stuff. And um, yeah, she makes, she's like multidisciplinary. She makes like sort of textile tapestry works as well as painting and like sewing pieces. So yeah. So Brighton, Brighton, you did your BA there? Yeah, yeah. Not a fan of? Oh, I like Brighton. And I, and I liked so many elements of my course and I met some of the the greatest people on my course but I think you know I graduated in 2016 um I started my course in 2013 and in terms of like the outside world and politics and stuff you know I came out in like the kind of hell year of the world like you know when Brexit um mm. Trump uh Black Lives Matter um and it was especially like being sort of on the outside of certain conversations, but feeling very present within them. Mm. That space was actually quite difficult to be in. Yeah, I, I liked it. My, some of my tutors were amazing. Um, uh, shout out Mikey Cuddy. She was great. She was a <laughs> love, lovely, lovely woman. Um, but like I did find it difficult, but I just kind of just kept my... I was about to say I kept my head down. That's a big lie. Everyone who had you knew me laugh if I said that. Um, I was <laughs> I was incredibly vocal <laughs> about everything. But as in like I was just like I want to get first. I'm like I'm like the first person in my family at this to get to this sort of like point at university. As in my my mum, my sisters. So I was like I need to get first. I want to get first. I'm gonna do everything it takes to get first, and then left and was just like... With a first? Of course. Of course. Um, <laughs> what was the work like you were doing, making was, then? Because yeah, it's changed, hasn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. Well, it started, like, quite similar to actually, like, in terms of, like, abstract botanical referencing, very similar to the work that I make now. Mm. Um, but then there was this point where I was trying to engage with and discuss uh, identity and my personal identity and like I was always trying to make work through abstraction and as an abstract artist and um, it wasn't being like understood and received well and like it was at a time where talking about race specifically in white spaces was very very difficult and especially if you didn't know entirely how to articulate yourself um to kind of make it palatable and understandable for other people, it kind of felt like I was talking to a brick wall. So it was just like, okay, the only way I can make people engage and understand this is probably going to be through figurative work mm. because I was, that's all I was seeing represent, like in terms of artists, seeing those conversations represented was always through the figure. Yes. So I made figurative work um, and it was fine. <laughs> and you, and you went, it was good no that's a lie it's good it was good like, but you moved away well from connected. the abstract yeah yeah like I did like so I first year was abstract second year sort of abstract until like maybe like, the end of the last semester then in my final year I basically just made figurative work wow. Um, came out of my first didn't really make work for a year or so Um, then cool. I had a res well about a year and then I had a residency in China and um, started exploring uh, abstract work again there 
with like realism elements and stuff and then yeah and then I got into new contemporaries and had my own studio and then felt like the freedom to sort of go back into abstraction so the abstraction you were doing originally mm. was different to the abstraction you were doing when you had the residency because you, you were inspired by Japanese and Chinese painting methods and yeah, craft. Yeah, yeah. Well, Is it was... the same it's the same conversation or? What, what do you mean? Like... With the, with the, when you started off doing your BA, the abstraction then and what we're seeing now? I mean, when I started making the abstraction, it was like kind of, um, it like was like contextless. And like I was looking at organic forms mm. and through like different variations of like organic form. So like like molecular patterns of like leaves. Um mm. and like, like osmosis. And, yeah, yeah, and just sort of like trying trying to make it interesting in some way, but it just looked kind of pretty. Um and then um I suppose yeah, I don't know. Like it wasn't I feel like when I went returned back to it in maybe about two thousand and eighteen I didn't really have any idea of what, like, I wanted to say with it until I had, like, a really kind of, like, a shitty breakup situation. Mm. And all of a sudden I found, like, a voice. Mm. <laughs> I started using text within the work and it was all about kind of um, cathartic process into, like, making these works for for me as, like, an extension of myself. Um, as these like kind of like diary entries, so to yeah. speak. I made this like small body of work called Love Letters to Siri because I was like taking all these little bits from text messages on my phone and in the notes bit of my phone where you like draft a text message and never send it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I would like have all these really like sad voice recordings. <laughs> it's funny thinking back at that sort of space that I was in then because it's just so like... It's uh, I I can't even like remember it entirely because I'm not there. But you'd ask Siri yeah. for advice. You were once asked, uh, oh, like, yeah, Siri, to, like... do you love me?" <laughs> yeah, you've done good deep dive. It's <laughs> <laughs> <is> good. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I would like at the end of making a painting, I would reflect on the painting and ask Siri a question, and she was always really rude. Um, she's um, <laughs> she would be like, I said, I'd be like, Siri, do you love me? She'd be like, you're looking for love in all the wrong places. And you're like, <laughs> it was a yes or no question. There's no need. Obviously, I know that. I'm talking to my phone. Um, I recently got um, Alexa because I've got one of those Sonos speaker things. Yeah. And I talk to it and it, I, sometimes I'm like, Alexa, what's the weather like outside? Because I can hear something outside and I'm not sure what's going on. And it's she's like, it's six degrees and it's raining. And I'll be like, good night, Alexa. Alexa and she'll go good night and I go thanks Alexa and then she she goes something like I do not understand <laughs> oh, and it always ends on it I do not understand She's, your question they're rude I'm we like, had Google so we had a hey Google and um we <laughs> we recently got rid of it because Google would always think you're talking to them and you're like <laughs> I'm not talking about you. Google. So arrogant. Shut up, Google. It's not about you. But then now, actually, I've realised it's actually quite upsetting that we don't have it in the kitchen anymore. Aww. Because when you're cooking, it's quite nice when your hands are all dirty just to be like, "Hey, Google, can you play?" <laughs> so when you were um, beginning to paint, do you think it was like a? Because it was obviously subconscious, maybe. So mm. you're kind of like making the work and the ideas. You didn't actually realise what it was yet, but it came to you later. Does that make sense? Like sort of working th- through making. Yeah, yeah, like the first... Because it's like... I feel like it's like the first sort of like 
confident paintings, abstract paintings I made were like on like three canvases. I was trying to make like a triptych of like some figurative work of um, some fictitious figurative piece of like me and my ex. And um, I was like, well, this is crap. And then started just painting over it, like mixed a bunch of colours and then painted over this piece and then started building out work from it. Like, and oh, I'm such a liker. I can just probably hear my dad in the background saying, stop saying like so much. Um, <laughs> <laughs> like. And, and um, they, they were, I just, I just started making, drawing plants and started what is it writing. about plants? Plants are just they're, they're literally life, aren't they? They and I think you know I grew up in a, a flat on a council estate, and my mum's from the Caribbean, and my mum has like a very good green finger, like like <laughs> so she has loads of house plants in the house. Um, She'd moved up to Leeds now and I did this video. It's like a 12-minute video of my mum walking around the downstairs of her house, literally showing me all her plants. Mm. And she had, on that count then, I think it was about 65 house plants. Wow. All thriving. All All thriving. All thriving. If they're not thriving, they go to like, you know, the plant hospital, which I think any like plant, her house plant owner has, which is the the windowsill by the sink, the kitchen sink. Yeah. Where it's just like, I keep an eye on you every day. <laughs> this is, this is my, the biggest sun trap of the house. Like you will, you will live and you, you will, will thrive. Survive. Yeah. Um, and she used to, like, before it was, like, trendy on Instagram, she used to do the whole, like, avocado growing from the seed oh, and yeah. stuff. And yeah. um, so I think, like, you know, growing up in London and having a, you know, fairly urban, cosmopolitan type surrounding there was always plants in the periphery. They were just always there. And it was like they always coexisted. And I kind of feel like a space isn't complete without their existence. And then there's, you know, you can add loads of more like intellectual, I'll say like pseudo-intellectual stuff around them Mm. um, in terms of like the balance between like cohabiting and life and, you know, of like climate crisis and their existence within you know, my person, my being as a human. Mm. But also I just think they're a really nice aesthetic and they're really beautiful to look at. And they, you know, they literally cleanse your space. So, Well, this show that's on now, The Sweets Taboo, there are plants <laughs> aplenty in yeah. that. And you you are a uh, a newly a ceramicist, you've described yeah. yourself as. Are we yeah. still saying newly because it's been... No, actually, really recently I've been quite confident about it. People say, what you do you do? I'm like a painter and a ceramicist. Good. Real ceramicists probably think I have no business saying that. <laughs> Lindsay will be like, what? <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I am a painter and a ceramicist, I think. So there's these plants that are coming, there's these wall ceramics that the plants come out of and you've made these vessels that you've painted. Mm-hmm. And then there's, on the top of a lot of the canvases and some of the framed paperworks, there's air plants yeah. that I was talking to Tuani and, and I was saying to the gallery, like, "Do you? does that come with the work? And they're like, yeah. And you have to live with this air plant, keep it, well, it yeah. it'll live on its own because it's yeah. an air plant. But that well, you becomes... do need to spritz it like occasionally away from the canvas. Yeah, but... <laughs> <laughs> of course, of course. Um, yeah, I just think they're a really nice little addition um, to the work and like this idea of like cohabiting 
with like the work habiting with the plants and then being so present within the you know the the physical painted element of the pieces that I just wanted to add like this little accessory yeah yeah and I talk about this a lot in my work mm. people ask me like why do I put like little gems and pearls and like gold leaf and stuff in the work mm. and I'm just like gotta put on your earrings before you leave the house <laughs> gotta accessorize and there is like obviously like more of a intellectual depth around why I do that and it's referenced to art history and it's referenced to the renaissance periods and stuff mm. but at the same time I do quite like this like last minute embellishment of a piece and um yeah I just thought the air plants worked they do yeah and I, and they weren't like intentional they weren't something that I like thought of in the studio I went to a nursery to get all the plants for the show and I saw them and instantly knew that I wanted to place them with some of the works. Mm. And I did, I bought maybe like six and really wanted to like place them in loads of places. And I was like, no, they only work with a certain few works. And it just added just a little something. Mm. It's not very often you see plants in an art exhibition. No. Art exhibitions are quite cold. Or at least, <laughs> at least in relation to a painting or, yes. or in the way that you're doing it. Yeah. I think sometimes you actually just see a plant, almost like a household pot plant. I remember going to an exhibition at um, Portalozzi in um, Berlin. Mm. And I think a lot of the works were kind of conceptual, but it was involving houseplants. And I feel like I saw it in London a bit, maybe in the early 2000s. But like, there's this, a few artists that seem to work in that sense. But yours is very different because it's, it's like you're saying, it's making the exhibition space warmer, isn't it? And... Well, you know, with this body of work, I was thinking a lot about the domestic and, um, you know, thinking about space and spaces we inhabit and the different types of people who inhabit certain spaces. And I was thinking a lot about queer spaces specifically and how when we, you know, I'm quite a homebody person. Um, so apart from like the, you know, the existential global dread, um, the pandemic was quite nice got to be at home quite a bit make my ceramics hang out um it didn't hugely like affect me especially the first one it was just really nice to be able to be at and you home. were there with your partner as well um no I would be at home on my own for like half like the most of the week and then she drove so and I lived on my own so I'd get she'd come and get, pick me up or stay around or something and then we would bubble on the weekends but um yeah <laughs> I just loved those like five days on my own just making ceramics and hanging out so if the pandemic hadn't happened we might not be seeing your ceramics now oh definitely not probably like i would say i would probably say like that's i i could bank on that yeah because i was doing a short little class and it was um online or no like in person ah, right. two did two classes and then we all got sent inside um for the pandemic so um i did this class i learned how to make a pinch part and to uh, uh, throw a small straight vessel. And then the pandemic happened and I, was, you know, I, I literally thought, oh, uh, that was like one of the things that I was enjoying before we had to, you know, stop going out and stuff. So I bought loads of clay. Mm. And you would do it what? A just kitchen table? Home. I don't know. I didn't even have a kitchen table. I had like a coffee table. And I'd sit on the floor and I would just hand build and um, I had to buy a desk 
to buy a chair and stuff because I didn't have any of that in my flat because I was always at the studio. So I quite like my home being a place where I ne- I don't really like working at separate, home. Separate, yeah. Yeah. Um, the second I get inside my house, I'm just like, I want to sleep. I want to relax. Yeah. I don't like working from home. Um, and these were air drying clay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and pff, yeah, I just kept on. At first, it was just I wanted to learn how to make ceramics. And so I was kind of trying to carry on what I was being taught on that course, um, which is like a beginner's guide to to clay. And um, I made a plant pot. It's pretty successful. I was like, I'm going to make a vase. And it was a really small little one. I made like a little candle holder. And then, and then uh, you know, it didn't look like it was easing up anytime soon. So I was I'm going to make the biggest vase I could possibly make. I made one was like 90, 90 centimetres. No way. Yeah. Not tall. on the coffee table. Yeah, yeah. So we're just like clay arrive in the post, like I, I, slabs and like, slabs yeah, and slabs of clay. Yeah. Amazon had like one and it was on a really fairly good deal. So I it would be like ten PM at night and I'd run out of a bag and I would just be like bip, click, bip, click, bip. click. <laughs> More clay came the next day. We'd just be sort of faffing around in the house until the clay came and I'd be like, cool. Um, what, my, yeah. It was what do you think it was about clay in particular? Do you think there's something like about the touch? Like, earth is it such and, a sort yeah. of, yeah, and connecting to the earth? and Yeah, and I think anyone who, especially like stuff on the wheel, um, actually, no, anything like any, like anyone who does work with clay, I think they can attest to how much it centers you and how sort of at one with your practice you feel when you're working with it. Mm. And when I started working with it, it was there was no intention to sell things that I was making. I um I just wanted to make things for the house. Um I made a butter dish, but I made a butter dish out of air dry clay, so it did break within about three weeks. Um, <laughs> but like it I just really wanted to learn how to make things. Um and I wanted to learn a new skill that wasn't painting because I think as far as my arts education went and then the practice that I was building outside of that went, everything was about painting. I did like a specialised painting course. I was always, you know, painting was always my medium. So I just wanted to try something else. To give yourself a break from the intensity of the relationship. To yeah. The or could you paint during a pandemic as oh, well? Oh, I, I, re- I, tr- I tried and I really like, like I said, I really don't like working at home. Right. Which is I think why the ceramics worked because I didn't really consider them work in that same kind of That's way great that come along yeah but so you, i just you have a yeah, need to make it. them don't you it's like it's like yeah. you, you were you were forced not to be at the studio to make paintings but you can't stop making or creating oh yeah i never oh. I always i always kind of think of myself kind of like a you know i'm an artist i guess as a job but i forget that i'm like actually really into it and like it's like a necessity <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah yeah so i am um, i need to make yeah Wow. So the clay's out of the flat now and into the studio? Yeah. No, the second I could get out of the studio, <laughs> I, well, like, my gallerist saw potential in the ceramics and, you know, they were, being, they were placed in shows, online shows and in-person shows. Wow. And um, uh, Still wear dry clay? Or... Well, yeah, at that time, like, my friend um, Hannah Watson, who runs TJ Bolton Gallery, um, she wanted to put me in a clay show and I thought, I felt so... I was just like, Hannah, like, you don't... I kind of want to be like, 
you don't have to do this. And but she generally just really liked the ceramics and I thought felt kind of silly being there. Because, you know, there was a great artist, like Katie Stubbs was in there. He's like a really great and amazing ceramicist mm. and, and now friend of mine. Mm. Um, but, yeah, so I was in this show and all of a sudden there was like a a value attached to the work that I was making. So obviously the next step is to how do we refine this? Mm. So I bought a kiln. Did you? <laughs> Oh, really? A really small little one for the studio. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, yeah. Bought a kiln. How much um, is a kiln? Oh, it depends on what size you get. Us small little kiln. It's, it's just you know. Some of them are expensive. Some are like five yeah. grand. Some are ten grand. It just depends. Oh, it was much less than that. I got okay. like it was like one point five. Right, 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 right. Yeah, it was like it was it was like a solid investment. Um, and then I I thought to myself, well, ceramics better. <laughs> better get better. Gotta, gotta they get... better get better. They but they're they're work. properly part of your practice now, then. Yeah, yeah. And is there yeah. a hierarchy for you with painting and ceramic, or they, are they all part of the same language now? They inform each other mm-hmm. and they converse with each other. Um, I think the movement that is now present within the paintings wouldn't have been achieved if I didn't have um, ceramics and like, glazing. Ceramics is. A process which was completely foreign to me. Um, the risks that I'm able to take with painting now all come from the kind of like unpredictability and um, like ceramics are so unpredictable. You can make something, think it's really solid and together, put it in the kill break. Mm. You can spend hours glazing it, and then it can come out not not the shades of the color that you want even if you've like really tried and you've done tests and stuff before. Yeah, it's devastating. Yeah, so it's made me less precious with the paintings. But then I don't think I was ever that precious with paintings. <laughs> I just think if they, work, if they work, they work. If they don't, they don't. What is that then, an instinct? Yeah, and I think and I think it's just, it's like one like we've got one life. Like, I think I have a lot of pride, like admiration for people who really think things through a lot with their work I'm not that kind of person I am really like instinctual with what I want to do um and sometimes I'll make and if I don't think it's working I just stop and I'll start something else or paint over it um I was gonna say so do you, do you destroy it if you think it's a mistake or yeah. not working yeah like yeah. I just there's no like there's there's no point continuing and like really overworking your mind trying to figure out how something will work because you can just come back to it a bit later I've so, there's so many pieces of work which I've come back to months and months later like a year later and figured out a way to like resolve it but mm-hmm. if you if I spend loads of time in that moment trying to really fix something which I don't think is going right um yeah, it just gets worse. It just gets worse. Yeah, and then you regret having painted over the bit you did like. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I sometimes I will yeah, I would take things, I'd make whole works and I just wouldn't like them. And I'll take them with a canvas and I'll actually just cut out areas I like and put them onto other canvases. Oh really? What yeah. what like collage, collage on top? Yeah, yeah, I used to work a lot with collage and stuff. So I think in terms of things that inform paintings, collage has always been one of the things I've always sort of lent to to inform what I'm going to paint, um, as well as now, like, the the movement from ceramics. It's, like, so, like, like it's full-bodied, you know? Mm. So, and I, I just 
bring that to to the paintings. What are you like with um, studio visits? You were just saying then your gallerists will come and see the ceramics and are you quite shy in the studio or are you...? No, I'm like... I've had to... <laughs> one of the best things Maria ever said to me was to be more selective. What do you mean? <laughs> like my my studio is my house; it's open to everyone. Um, so I used to let people come visit me in the studio quite often. Um, and I've had to scale that back now because I think there, there is, uh, you know, I need to be in my own space and be able to work things out without um having any kind of opinions mm. from other people. Um, and they're usually positive ones. So like I, you know, like thinking things work, and I think I need to be, um, you know like have the autonomy over those decisions myself before yes. what I want to show. Yeah, um, a critical yeah. kind of eye for, of your own. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah, because sometimes positive affirmations aren't actually helpful. Yeah, especially <laughs> when you, you don't think something is that way and then all of a sudden you're just, you just say, oh, well, if they think it's good, then it's fine. And, and there have been times where I've sold work, which I don't really like. Oh, no. And it's, you know, at a point where... I I would need the money mm. or the money was helpful to extend my practice but now I won't show things that I don't feel confident mm. in I guess um, that's just a, yeah. in a way a valid part of being a young artist and yeah. growing and the yeah. thing is these days there's more interest I think in artists at a younger age as well so like there will be a collector who might say it at a time when you do need the money and even if you're not quite sure, but then maybe you'll see it in 10 years' time and you'll be but like, all, I like that work. It's yeah. all creativity, I think. I mean, as an actor, I know that if someone says to me, the way you say that line's really funny, or I really like the way you deliver that bit, it fucks it. Yeah. Because I'm yeah. completely conscious of it yeah. every time it comes to that line. And even though it's a compliment and they're the nicest possible thing they could probably do, yeah. and they think they're being really generous, yeah. it fucks me. Yeah. You know what I mean? And if, if someone goes, that doesn't work for me, I'm like, okay, that gives me something to work with. Yeah. In some ways, you need the... The, the kind of negative... Yeah, yeah like a yeah. more constructive criticism. Yes, exactly. Like well, this is it, yeah. I always think, like, I, I... I I mean, not from everyone. People I actually respect the opinion of, but mm-hmm. constructive criticism um, works really well for me. Yeah, same. Um, I don't... Like, the sometimes, especially if I'm not feeling something, the positive affirmations will literally just grime my gaze mm-hmm. and I'll just get really pissed off. Um but I'm stubborn, I'm a Taurus. <laughs> um, but like, I, yeah, I, I just think you need the space to be able to work through things. And I think as well, with when it comes to being a young artist, and if you do make work that you don't feel so totally confident with, but someone sees value in it and buys it and stuff, I think that you just kind of have, to, sometimes you just have to go with that and like know it within yourself. And then just, because you need to develop and you need to grow. And quite often you need, financial backing to do that yeah and so like you know because in me now I'm like, i would never do that but like a young artist if someone comes and has a price for you on something that you don't like take it because you need to grow and like and also you can then buy the clay yeah yeah <laughs> you can buy the you paints can, you can if you know that you can make yeah. you know if you can make your work better and there's like who am who am i who is anyone to tell someone like to not you know yeah sell how old are you now 27 yeah, I'm a sweet little baby. So <laughs> you are. So you're getting a lot of attention and a lot of eyes on your work, and it's selling. It is selling. Mm. Is is there being 27 and that all happening now? What sort of thought process is is going through when it comes to the longevity of your practice and your career? Do you consider those things? Yeah, yeah. Someone asked me the other day if I'd like to be a painter, like an artist, forever. I'm just like, um, 
though. Yeah, obviously. Um, like, what a great like, question. Why do they ask you that? I don't know why people ask questions they ask. Yeah. People, people ask. <laughs> ask people, Siri. Yeah, you know? like they, yeah. Ask, ask Siri. they ask some weird questions. And, you know, sometimes it's, um, it, it actually, they're, they're, they're helpful because then you actually access that, that thought, that thought in your mind and you, you never would have before. And, mm. you know, I didn't set out to be an artist. I set out to do an arts degree and work within the arts. Mm. I thought I would have some sort of gallery job or teach. Um, and I would still find a lot of enjoyment through teaching. Mm. Uh, I don't think lecturers and any teaching staff at all throughout the country get paid enough. So it makes it difficult to want to do that. Mm. But I find a lot of enjoyment from being able to steer and navigate people into making their best work, making their best choices. Mm. It feels good to be able to share my knowledge. And even though it's like, not and like receive knowledge from other people like i i i ask and i get support from others as well but yeah i yeah like I'm, i would i would i would always like to be an artist and as a young person navigating this industry it's um it's tricky because i you know i think about where i'd like my career to go and what i'd like from my career and there are certain things that at this critical stage, I need to do or need to ways Tactical need to behave. Sort of move. Yeah, and it it's annoying sometimes because then you kind of feel that you can't be authentically yourself within the work you make. And you know, with this most recent show, I think I felt quite nervous because the fa- the last show that I showed uh, in 2019 with Tawani was quite different and still abstract, but quite different. And at that time, I thought that show was super vulnerable, but this one was way more and um there is a sense of i feel like when you access that kind of area of vulnerability and you make work which is like quite overtly feminine i'm always worried how critical artistic eyes will um engage with that work because i feel like they kind of see those things as naive in some kind of way Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com um, But... Why is it overtly it? feminine? I mean, I think flowers and I think those kind of colour palettes, like pink is a prominent colour within the mm. work. Mm. And it's... Uh, it's romantic in context and mm. I lean into and enjoy and intentionally make them that way. Because I've had, I mean, the criticisms I've had on my work before, one of them was like, do you 
you know, you know, your work's quite feminine, isn't it? And I, and I just <laughs> kind of like negative. sat there and I was like, what was the, I don't understand, that's a statement, not like, are you yeah. trying to criticise the work? And it was in a studio visit and they were just like, yeah, like, you know, are you okay with that? Of course I'm okay with that. Like, that's mm. an intention. I'm a feminine person. And there are like different elements to femininity. And I think as a black woman as well, there are lots of restrictions around how to present and access said sort of attribute of being feminine. Mm. Um, there is this kind of like, like a masculine energy of strength that's attached to black women specifically mm. that I um, probably adhere to in loads of ways, but don't want to be my like big signifier um, so for me, there was a lot of strength from accessing uh, the the comfortability of feeling vulnerable and feeling feminine and letting others see that and feeling very, like, at one and true of myself to let others in, like, a very... Compartmental. Yeah, like, sort of, like, very, like, rigid art environment. To be like, yeah, I'm making work that is gentle in approach in certain ways, but also quite punchy in yeah. other ways. But it's wholeheartedly me, and part of me is this like femininity. And that's actually what's good about the paintings in the new show is that there's this um, dynamic between it. You've got di- um, two two elements. One is like a kind of um, a softness, say gentleness, mm. maybe like an empathy or something, which I mm. think you have um, heaps of, um, versus a kind of tougher edged element because there's like swirling imagery mm. within it. And even the um, flora and fauna or leaves or, you know, flowers, mm. they, they, they do have an edge to them as well. There's a kind mm. of a balance between well, the There two. might be a thorn there. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly, yeah. And I, I like that tension. In it's a, mm. Yes, a tenderness and a fuck you. Exactly, yeah. Yeah, yeah it's quite funny because like a majority of the paintings in this show from quite a sort of gentle um, space of like feeling in love and like both with like myself and space I'm in and with my partner and like through like different different versions of myself and um, then you go around the corner and there's like this last sort of canvas painting which is kind of probably how I was feeling most of the time in the studio and it's just like I fucking hate it here. (laughs) 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 <laughs> and it's like comment like I've been making work during a pandemic. I've been making work and with Boris Johnson as our prime minister. Yeah, joke. With just accessing global politics on a regular and then like my very um like confined solitude of my studio. So sometimes I'll just be really angry and by myself and I have to, you know, either rein that in or put it into the work. Um, but it's, it amuses me that like a lot of the works are you know fairly gentle and um, soft in a way that it's allowing people to just like breathe and take a moment. Yeah. Um, within, I mean, when I talk about that, I mean, I kind of within the palette that's used, within the text that's um, that's written within the works, uh, you know, with the seats that people can sit in and mm. take some time out. And then there's like, go around the corner, it's like, oh, fuck you. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. So in a way, there's there's a way for you to create space for yourself. Yeah. To feel joy, to feel love, to feel tenderness. And then yeah. you're also trying to share that with others, like yeah. within the installation, so that if you come as a visitor, yeah. it might be a, a respite for people or, 
you know because i think there's also a lot of joy within your work yeah like, oh, and huge. Like, yeah, yeah and that's like definitely what i'd want people to take away from it and um it is you know it, it was i've made i started making the work that i make and i think i think a lot of artists do um I think there's some who do and some who make make it for others and some who make them for themselves. And it was always like making it for myself. And in turn, like, it's like kind of like group therapy. You know, some they, you know, the the lead therapist could ask someone to ask the group a question. Mm. And it takes one person to be like to to be open and to reveal how they're feeling about that and answer that question for everyone else to be like, oh, okay. Mm-hmm. And then like get the conversation going. And so for me to like as a young black woman to be making abstract art in itself from the ways that I was forced into figurative work feels like protest almost and then to to choose confidently that one of the central themes of my work are going to be love and the other one is going to be self again feels quite like vulnerable but also like a protest like I'm you know I'm not speaking on behalf of a collective group I'm speaking on behalf of myself mm. and I invite anyone from any walk of life of any you know socio-economical background from any race from any religion from any gender or sexual orientation to find something within that that they can relate to and if that is healing if that's just enjoyment if that's like shared angst and anger for the world then I feel like as an artist, I have achieved what I set out to do. Yes. You're the first person starting that conversation. You're standing up going, come on in. Yeah. Let's go. Let's engage. Yeah. Who do you love? <laughs> oh my God, tell me who you fancy. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Gossip. It's basically a gossip. Yes. Well, yes, I, say, I do love the earrings. Like the idea of when, when you go out of an evening and put earrings on or your nails. Yeah. Like I read about the importance of nails. Yeah. Well. well, that sort of leaf that, especially in like, earlier bodies work less so in this one was this repetitive form that carried through loads of the works and it's it's like a it's an idea of a leaf it's not it's not like a specific um you know titled botanical uh, like (sighs) visual that you you know it's like a suggestion of something you know and it's it's the same shape as my favourite nail shape, the stiletto. Yeah. It's the same shape as like a drop of water, um, you know, like a drop of oil, a teardrop. It feels like in its shape, it has like a lot of life enriched with it. And there's kind of like a feminine attachment to the things that it represents to me. Mm -hmm. So like when I do the little blue sort of sequin um, items in that shape, you know, they're kind of like gestures of like teardrops maybe. Um, like a nod back and a reference to, um, you know, Chris Philly's No Woman No Cry. Mm. And, um, yeah, and I feel like the shape feels very feminine because it's, you know, it has that kind of like bodied, lower half body to it, pear, mm. pear shape. Like, mm. yeah. Talking about Chris Philly, that was a big inspiration for you. Yeah, yeah. Because, you know, in schools they don't teach you about um, <laughs> women or black people. <laughs> and... Uh, a teacher asked me if I was going to um, apply to do an art foundation. And I was just like, why? I can't, like, it's fun and everything, but it's like, I'm not going to get a job as an artist. Like, I don't really think that it's for everyone. It's, you know, it's only like men, white men that can do it. And she went away and came back and showed me all these 
incredible black artists. Oh, wow. Christopher Lee being one of them, yeah. And I was really touched by that work. Because, I, you know, I grew up in London, but I wasn't a person who was going to galleries and museums and stuff. I don't think I went to a commercial gallery until I graduated from university. Um, That's a good teacher. Yeah, yeah. I think she's Is this the one you gave a shout out to? No, that no. was Mikey. Mikey, no. who's, who taught me at Brighton, she was just a very gentle and nurturing tutor. Um, yeah, the other teacher, I don't know, there's something like I feel like I could reach out to her at some point, but I don't really want to go back to my school to give a talk, so I know that that's how it would end. Right. Um, <laughs> <laughs> they, they do get very demanding. Yeah. I've, I've had a lot of reach outs recently since talking. Yeah. Um, who, which other artists were you presented with back then? Like as as signifiers that you could, because if you think about the Black British Heart Movement and like Labena Hamid and, mm. and even Sonia artists Boyce. that, um, like was, even Charmaine was, Watkiss yeah. or Barbara Walker or yeah. there's a whole generation um, of artists. I think, like I'll say, like it, it was Chris Ophelia, Carrie Mae Weems, mm. Cara Walker mm. were the ones I can remember. It was like mostly Black American and Nicolene Thomas. Yeah. Um that I was presented with Mm-mm-mm. and yeah I don't I don't know like I it, he stood out to me and I guess it's you know medium of paint being Location. British yeah exactly and like Doreen Lawrence yeah yeah like that and yeah exactly like I knew of the story in which he was referencing mm. um that was you know household Story growing up, Stephen Black Lawrence, House, yeah, and with, Aunt, with yeah. Taylor. It's that, within Black yeah. households, and especially growing up in South South West London, it was like that was something that I was familiar with and knew all about. Mm. Um, but yeah, I, I've never been very good at like artist research and spending a lot of time looking at other artists' work and like taking stuff from it. Um, and I think there's something about like I never wanted to feel like I was stealing. Mm. I wanted to sort of know what someone did and like take a few things occasionally but and be inspired by them but quite often especially as an abstract painter I didn't have a lot of um people that I looked to Mm. artistically Mm. um I don't even know how I got my language um yeah what are the talking about your language what are the rules that you have set for yourself is there things that you're like I am not touching that I will not go near that colour purple man I know I, I, like I do <laughs> I do I do like I, I've used the colour purple but like as it, it, I don't really like it as a colour I've made a painting in it entirely um, and I really like that work and the reason I did made that painting was because I was staying away from the colour specifically. So you were challenging yourself. Yeah, you know? yeah. And I did that with the colour red as well and made like a whole body of red work because I used to hate working with red, mostly because it's like very messy in the studio and I don't, and it gets on everything and stains everything. And like I felt it was very loud as well. And I, you know, when trying to find your voice and your language, the last thing, and you're not totally confident that the last thing you want to be is too loud. Um, but well, rules. Never a um a white canvas, never. I'll never start working on a, a white canvas. Um, I well, it comes to you white though, doesn't it? Or I know I make I like stretch them and make them and like I prime them in animal hide like rabbit skin glue. Mm. Um, Tracy Emin does that. Yeah, good old Trace. <laughs> <laughs> and um, I yeah, so that that's still canvas color, and I will then usually just mix up a color or a couple of colors and then ground the background in 
in something like an any any color often often it's pink sometimes yellow mm. often black um yeah never never a white never a white canvas. so you kind of create your own base and space in a sense don't you even though it's yeah. limited to the size of the canvas it's yeah still your, you've put your yeah you started it yeah, yeah and it's and it will be like an empty canvas to me still um but it it's had you know a touch of me already on it so yeah what was it like when you first sorry what was it like when you first brought in text into the paintings was that like a depressing. eureka moment or was it depressing? <laughs> was it depressing? <laughs> well, the, the context of what I was writing was quite depressing and it was quite funny because the paintings were all quite pastel and like lofty in energy and people would say like, they make me feel so happy. And I'm like, you're not getting it because I'm sad. <laughs> and, and then I, kind of, I, I started thinking about the, you know, the added contextual understanding of colour and the sort of semiotics around what certain colours mean. So I started making replica paintings with black backgrounds and then doing like the same thing on a more pastel background and then on the black background, like mimicking the movement and then putting them in shows and like seeing how they would respond. Oh, wow. um, yeah. And what were like, surprising responses? I mean, I think people were actually engaging more with the text. And when when they were on a darker background, um, and I think you know partly because it was easier to see, mm. and I think there is this thing of, especially with abstract art, not spending time with it. I think in big sort of figurative scenes, there is so much to see that you will spend time with the work, and you will you know look at all the the, the characters and what's going on in the piece and try to start building up a narrative mm. but with abstract art it's quite often like you see the colors you see how it makes you feel and you move on and by putting this text in there it kind of, it gives these suggested themes of what I wanted to, what I'm talking about and what I was feeling when making the work but it also forces people to just be with the work and spend time because people are nosy as well so they want to read all the bits of writing mm. Um, but you see yeah. text, you read it. I mean, that's a human condition. So yeah. As soon as you do that, it does automatically yeah. slow you down. Yeah. <laughs> Just, um, the, <laughs> I, I guess the titles, because you, you actually have titles, you know, fully yeah. formed sentences as titles. So is titling important too? Look, titling is important. Do I remember many of the titles of my works? No, <laughs> no like in the, at the time when I... Um, at the time it meant everything. And then when it yeah. carries, it's gone. Yeah. And I've always felt like one of the women at my gallery was like, can we have the... T-? Like, we'll send the images over. It's like, um, can you fill out this form with the titles? I'm like, huh? <laughs> uh-huh. You usually have to ask me like three times to send it. Um, but they do, they do mean... They mean something in the time and like they are thought of... Um, but it's kind of like asking someone to name a page of their diary. Yeah, wow. yeah. that's interesting. Yeah, like you know, it's 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 like, and then sometimes I'll just like pick out. I'll pick out. I'll read everything that I've written and like maybe pick out a line and uh, expand on that. Or I listen to a lot of music, and a lot of music plays into while you're working. Uh, the work. Yeah, yeah, and then like the lyrics will appear in works and stuff, and. People were coming up to me at the show and being like, so I just want to make sure that was a Jar Rule lyric written on the bench. I'm like, mm-hmm. Like, okay, I just, I just wanted to make sure. I was like, okay, cool, bye. Um, like, so they'll like play into like the titling as well. Um, yeah. And there's a dance hall 
star called Spice. Yeah, she was in the, like she's been in a few. She's her words have been in a few few works. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you listen to music while you're making the works? Yeah. And also, do you think that music in, informs the kind of compositions? Because to me, there when you look at them installed together, there is a musicality, almost like a like a mm. music script, you know what mm. I mean? When you mm. write out notes or something. There's something about that in it. And mm. even the title of the show being a reference, I'm assuming, to Sade, but yeah. I wasn't sure if I was... Yeah, yeah, yeah. I assumed it was. Yeah. Um, yeah, I do think that the sort of... the freedom and the, of musicality um, and what I, like, listen to when I'm working, and I'll listen to the same kind of playlist until I exhaust myself and... Or like the same albums until again I exhaust myself, and um, they they do they do play into how I feel when I'm making, and then the movement will it, go in turn. And I feel like sometimes you can tell when I've listened to a podcast versus when I've listened to music. So like with the big triptych was definitely, I think I was definitely finished in like a podcast setting because it was more like refined and like together. And then some of the other ones are a bit messy. And there'll be like moments where like I was, I would be listening. I think one of the pieces very faintly at the bottom, it's some Missy lyrics. Mm. And that was just because I was listening to it and I was just like, mm, it's a vibe. Um, and put that in. But then you, you, the piece builds out and it becomes like this sort of this moment that I know I had in the space and I'm sharing people um in, in in an exhibition space but everything else that's built up on top of it is more considered um but yeah so they they do feed in and yeah, the other title of do the show you, is do Shadow. you start from the middle out because a lot of people now recognize your paintings that there is this kind of void that appears in the mm. middle and i see it as like an emotional cloud or mm. something a vessel and the work seems to kind of like like a galaxy mm. like a milky way it, it explodes from the middle most mm. of the paintings feel like that's where the core of the energy is mm. it's for you yeah. The space in the middle is for you to be in. It's like to frame you. It's like for you to be immersed in the work. So there's often this like a negative space that you can be framed in and whilst in enjoying the work, like in the show as well, everything's hung a little bit lower. So a person can be like more present with the work. Um, so yeah, the space is just, it's, it's like for possibility. I guess. Contemplation, that yeah, area. It's just, yeah, <laughs> like it. <laughs> no, I mean, it, it is, you, you recognise your work because of that negative space in the middle. Mm. Cool. <laughs> you, you say I've got a signature style. <laughs> is that well, what you're who knows? <laughs> the next show, you might have moved some, taken yeah. somewhere new. And you should, you know, keep doing yeah, your thing. Keep your, on your toes. Listening to, your, to yourself, yeah. yeah. Um, do, as you were saying, like when you were growing up, you didn't necessarily go to galleries or mm. feel that was even um, mm. a route in life that was open to you. Yeah. How important is it for you? I mean, I, I guess, do you feel not a pressure, but is it a privilege or or something to sort of feel like you might be changing things and like opening up the door for people to come in and even the way you consider installing your shows. Mm. And I know you think a lot about queer people and um, mm. queer people of colour and mm. the trauma that um, both those um, sort of marginalised groups of people mm. um, experience. Because I sometimes feel like being queer, being a person of colour, you have trauma that means that you you won't necessarily even find success as early as other people mm. because you're dealing with your shit. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And I know people that have survived like sexual abuse or... Um, 
all kinds of domestic abuse, traumas, things like that. And then it means that it took them 10 years longer to even mm. work out what they wanted to do in life. Mm. You know, it's just a slower journey. Mm. Yeah, I mean, for me, like, so I would go to museums growing up. Uh, my dad used to love to take me to museums and, like, the South Ken little bubble was there all the time. Mm. Not the natural history. I was more of a science museum and V&A girl. Um, I can see that, though, in the way your mind works. Because you, you like a challenge, science, don't you? And you love like the, the science Well, the science, that's the plant. Yeah. That's Loved the botanicals. It. Like, yeah. we'd get there and I'd be like, what time are the shows at the launch pad? Like, oh, I'd love it. Um, and then the V&A, up and down those, like, the jewel sections and stuff. Yeah. Just looking at all the, the fashion. Um, and, but yeah, when it comes to, you know, I don't really see, like, I, you know, like, I think, like, lots, I, I mean, I have had, trauma in my life I hate to kind of like talk about it in that way because I know that there's like a scale sometimes of how much other people have been through but as like a I think there was lots of time where I just didn't feel welcome and able to access certain spaces um and I think you know growing up where I grew up I was able to sort of have like a dip in dipping toe like my dad's a teacher so obviously he was interested in seeing all of these things but I knew those people who weren't and like I'd have friends who were really into theatre and the arts and that and also friends who completely didn't know what was going on and like I kind of always when I be making work I want people to feel like they can access it and as someone who makes abstract work I know that that in itself makes it harder for people who especially don't have like a artistically educated mind. Um, and there's this hierarchy within the art world that makes spaces like, like they just make spaces just completely inaccessible for certain people. Um, so like even where my show is in Cork Street, I would never of like I remember going to Savile Road to go to Abercrombie and Fitch once as a kid yeah. and being like I should not be here it's not allowed um it felt so uncomfortable in that space and even bringing my work into that space now it feels there's still like a bit of discomfort within me just like to be like why um, do I belong around here imposter yeah I shouldn't be around here yeah um and I want to like it's a bit like that those installations of you know, 70s Caribbean households. And um, there was one at, um, oh my God, what's the Life Between Islands? Tate, Britain. Tate, Tate, mm-hmm. yeah. And um, it's um, like things like that where it's like a space where you go in and I want you to be like, feel a bit at home. Mm. And that's why like the space I was making, thinking about people who, you know, go into an, a gallery and think they need to like be out and in really quickly because they shouldn't spend time there because you're not meant to spend time there. Mm. Um, you can't afford anything in the space, so mm. you don't want to spend time there. Um, Apologise for being yeah, there. Yeah, like the, the, the benches, they, people weren't sure that if they could sit on them and it's, they were made so you can sit on them and spend time being in the space. And, you know, those houseplants, which you see are really common like home and like flowers, it just feels a bit like a home. And I really wanted that that to you know be something which would help fe- people feel more comfortable in the space um and like allow themselves to be in a space even if they did feel uncomfortable 
I don't even know if I answered the question. You did. Okay, good. Beautiful. So your so <laughs> upcoming for you is yeah. uh, an inaugural show, an incredible space called Queer Circle, of which I'm a trustee, which is a, a queer art space institution yeah. that's opening yeah. up, and you are creating the inaugural show. Yeah. What is the pressure of that? What are you working on? And how do you feel about this space being in London? Um, well, I love that it's in London, obviously. Um, I'm an unapologetic Londoner. Um, <laughs> it's quite embarrassing how much I love London. Um, I, it's it's such an important space to have. Um, I met Ashley by chance quite recently in, in life, like maybe last year. This is Ashley Joyner. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I met through him through my friend Jake um, at another friend, Kate Dunn's show at TJ Bolting. We like crossed paths as we were leaving. So, yeah, um, I, yeah, we were introduced to each other and he asked if he'd come for a studio visit and we got talking and then invited me to do the show. And I feel... I felt at first quite a lot of pressure because I think in terms of like my own queerness, I've not been, I'm not like the, you know, quote unquote, like queerest person. And like, it's not the big integral thing within my practice as an artist. And it's not the biggest and largest conversation I want to be having, but all the conversations kind of work in tandem with each other. And, um, yeah, they they all kind of exist at the same time. So I felt quite honoured that he invited me to be the artist to open the show. Because mm-hmm. um, especially of all the other amazing queer practitioners that I I know, um, and the show's gonna be the show's gonna be good. <laughs> <laughs> I'm making some more ceramics. Um, I don't want to say what they'll be yet because I've not made any. Yeah, I've not made the thing that I would like to be the prominent thing within the space and there's a chance it might not work because ceramics are fickle and they've got a mind of their own. Um, but there is going to be a really large mural. Um, is it a big space you're working in? Yeah, it's a fair, it's, the, it's the main gallery space. It's a fairly large space. It's going to be a really large mural on a wall that kind of curves, um, sort of being... Like emulating the paintings and that kind of open abyss that the paintings have, mm. also sort of engulfing you. And but they're like they're frescoes, aren't they? Like big skies yeah. and unearthly visions. Yeah, yeah. I just had a residency not too long ago in Brescia, in at Palazzo Monte, mm. and there's lots of frescoes there. That's in Italy. Yeah, it's in Italy. <laughs> um, yeah, and yeah, lots of. Lots of fresco. They love a fresco in Italy. They love them. Um, <laughs> now they love them in quiz space. Yeah, they're gonna, they're gonna get, they're gonna get a big one. Uh, Is it you painted it directly on, on the wall? Well, no. We're building a sort of a curved wall. Amazing. Um, yeah, paint it directly onto that. I can't wait. So there won't be any for yeah. There won't be any actual um, canvases in that show. Um, it would just be a big mural, uh, and I like the kind of ephemerality of it that. You know, it'll be like, it'll be a three month show, and when it's done, the mural's done. So if you see, we'll get it, destroyed. Yeah, and that yeah. feels good. Yeah, cathartic. I feel like it's like it's you know it's things get to be moments in time, right? And um, if you get to see it and spend time with it, you get to see it and spend time with it. And but I don't think that there's an assess. I think there's. 
as like a painter working with like commercial galleries, it's like everything has this like value and it's always set on like purchasing and you know like owning art and I like that the space gets to own it temporarily for a bit and then it's just no one owns it and it doesn't have to exist anymore and um maybe it might be like fragments of it might be able to be kept permanent in the space but Mm. I just quite like the idea that it exists for the time it exists for temporary yeah and the memory then yeah in people's minds almost like a play you know like if you get to see it you get to see and if you don't it's an event, yeah. yeah. Theatre kids forever. Yeah. Let's high yeah. five that. <laughs> <laughs> There'll be pictures. That's cute. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. There'll be, be imagery, card. of course. Yeah. It'll Transient. be there. Yeah. Get it on a tote, I'm yeah. sure. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure. I'm sure. <laughs> All over a tote. We love a tote. We yeah, love a tote. We love, tote, a tote. We? love an accessory, well, don't we? we? Yeah. No, love. <laughs> we, we ask every guest two questions. The first is if you could do an imaginary art heist and take home any artwork, um, what would you steal? Oh, yeah, I had to think about this one. Um, and uh, art is big man it's hard to steal things so I instinctively the first piece of artwork that comes to mind is um, Matisse's La Dance at MoMA the whole um, room the big La Dance you know the big, oh La Dance right yeah yeah I would <laughs> if I could steal the whole room imagine <laughs> <laughs> Russell's Russell's good at this. Sorry, I was thinking Monet for some reason, the the, the room that's the lilies that goes around and Matisse, right? Yeah, um, and then I will always forget the title of the exact one. Actually, no, I haven't. Um, And the Noah Davis's um, 40 Acres and the Unicorn. Oh, yeah. I love that piece of art. I think it's beautiful. Where have you seen that? Um, I saw it recently at his show at David Turner. But during my degree... I was looking at his work in 2015, mm. um, 2014, 2015, uh, primarily because I was having to source all the, you know, interesting black artists, and I kind of I was always more interested in looking at like who was making art right now, um, and then when he passed away, I was devastated and kind of had to sit alone with this devastation because I was I no one else seemed to know who he was. Um, yeah, that was really sad. Yeah, he went way, 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 way. It's two way years ago. Yeah. yeah, it's tragic. Yeah. It's such a loss because his painting um, extraordinary. So, well, what he did for the art world as well. Yeah, yeah. for other people, exactly. Yeah, yeah. so I am, um, yeah. yeah, when I went to see that show, I found it very emotional mm. and I'm quite hard to affect as a person and it, I was in tears. Mm. And and I, and I especially that was one of the reasons why I wanted to make benches as well because I had that film at the back um, and I was sitting in this chair, kind of like immobilised, just crying. Mm. And I remember there was a girl, two girls just sitting there chit-chatting through this film, and I shushed them, um, and I was like, can you just shut up? <laughs> I'm, tr- I'm trying to have a moment, can you just shut up? <laughs> and um, I really just felt like this was, uh, it, it just the whole show moved me so much that um, I would steal that and keep it really precious mm, with no one chit-chatting around yeah with no one no one's allowed to look at it it's just in a room by itself just me oh. me and the unicorn what the adults your... will be in the kitchen though everyone can see it <laughs> in my imaginary massive house that i don't have yeah soon soon what does your partner think of your work she seems she seems to like it she likes to think everything's about her of course yeah and what all the works are all about, about yeah is this one about me <laughs> oh i'll Talk about a piece of like oh, the one about me. Like, <laughs> <laughs> um, Do you have your own work at home? 
we, she's got a print of one of my works. A print? You, she won't give her an original. <laughs> an AP. Uh, yeah, oh, okay, an AP. Yeah. That's proof. She's of got. a print. Is this um, the yeah. Whitechapel one? Yeah, yeah. She, we've got we've got that at home. Um, Are you going to try and hold on to any of your work? Like, I do. I do have bits. I do have bits of pieces and stuff, and I will hold on to things, and I do hold on to things. Um, but yeah, no, she seems to like the work, and but having it at home, I think, is a lot. Mm. Um, and I'm starting to try and collect art more now from you know my peers and mm. start buying trading? things. Yeah. Who are you trading with? Um, who do I trade with most recently? Most recently, I traded with Miranda. Um, I say I traded. Miranda's given me a work, and Miranda Forrester, she's given me a work, and I still need to give her something. Um, um, me and Joy uh, will do a trade at some point. Lavin Joe. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and otherwise, I would just get out my card. I want to, yeah, I want to start building a collection. Great. That's exciting. Yeah, it'll be small. It'll be from people who I believe in mm. and that are coming up. Um, especially at this point in my career, like I'm not going to spend all my hard-earned money on lots of really, really expensive pieces. But yeah. I do really want to start collecting. Amazing. Yeah. What is your favourite colour, Michaela? Green. Green. Yeah. Okay, because of the leaves, botanical. Yeah, I just think it's it it's lively, and um, I look really good in it. Uh, so, <laughs> nice. oh, enough said. A, yeah, you yeah. have a green fur coat. Yeah, we're loving it. Yeah, fake, fake, fake fur. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I Beautiful. look. I I look good in green. Um, brown and green go really go really well together. Um, if, if you didn't know that trees, um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, no green. I think, and I and I and I think as a color to use when you're painting, it's it it just has so much depth, and I think it's quite it's like an underdog color. I think I don't think people underdog color. Yeah, I don't think people like would choose it as as often because I think it's kind of like it feels like a useful color. Like it's like a color that you you need to use. So if you're depicting life and still life and landscape, it's a colour that you have to use yes. to be able to depict what you're depicting. Um, and it sort of serves a purpose more than, you know, like I think pink and things like that. There's like, you know, with flesh and stuff, but sometimes the way it's used like a very hot, deep pink, um, it's it's like an addition and like red, like you don't see those kind of tones in real life. So I think green's a little bit of an underdog colour. It's also known as a colour that sometimes gallerists don't like when people make green paintings because it's not popular with collectors. And Catherine Bernhardt did a show in New York called Green that was obviously referencing money in New York and you know, mm. American mm. life and stuff, um, which her work is obviously consumed with. But um, but it was also this idea that it's a colour you shouldn't make paintings of because mm. if you make a green painting, it will never sell. There's a kind of myth of like oh popular colours. Yeah. That just like really like... <laughs> Something inside me was just like, I'm going to make so many green paintings. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Doesn't sell, I'm going to make them all. <laughs> like, all the green You work. heard it here first. <laughs> I, probably, I probably won't. I probably won't. I'll be a bit, be a bit too what, What's the um, best advice you've ever received um, with regard to your art? Um, uh, like I said earlier, Maria told me to be selective. Mm. That was quite good. Um, and I have a friend of mine, uh, Rosa, uh, 
Jan, Ade, Jan, Ade. Oh my God, I always get your name mixed up. Um, sorry, Rosa. Uh, she, she on a talk once said that, uh, and I always think about this every time I write an email, like delete your sorries. And like, especially like, I feel like you apologize a lot when you're asking for things. And if you're doing like a collaboration and you say like, sorry, I was just wondering if there's a fee attached to this, you'll just, you know, cut that out and just say, what's the fee? Mm. Um, and I always think, and I always relay that back to younger artists who ask advice or like, can you read through this email? And it's always going through and like, stop apologizing and sort of feel secure and affirmed within the space that you're taking up and the job that you're about to do um that's yeah. great advice really good yeah. advice that's yeah. useful advice as well yeah for everybody yeah really. practical yeah. but it's also self-esteem it's yeah. about like owning your own space, space. And your own talent taking yeah. up that space and what not apologizing for yourself deserve yeah and should be rewarded yeah know. oh i love that what a great yeah. way to it love was yeah it was yeah rosa she said it and it was really it was thanks really for great. that rosa are you on instagram yes i am on instagram do you, do you love it? <laughs> oh, I'm, do you live for Instagram? I, I, I spend too much. I've got a cap, a daily cap of how much time I'm allowed to spend on Instagram. Uh, I think we all need to do that. I mean, it's yeah. Um, What's yeah. your Instagram handle? Um, artist and gal. Perfect. So, at artist <laughs> and gal. <laughs> when did you get that handle? It's at university. I used to have two Instagrams and then it was a choice of keeping Michaela Year with Dan or and keeping like as like my personal one and artist and gal as my art one and it was like which should I keep I should really have like a professional presence and obviously I got rid of Michaela Yewadan <laughs> and kept artist and gal Love. <laughs> and it's Michaela Yewadan gone to someone else another Michaela Yewadan I deleted now. it I don't know someone's, someone's probably got it and there's it. definitely no apologies there no artist, artist and gal artist and, and gal and you yeah. can go to Tuani Contemporary Gallery um, they're based in London but also now Lagos they have a new gallery there but their current exhibition um, is on right now isn't it Russ? It is, exactly. With Michaela. Yes, it exists. And Until then we've got what date? Uh, it was on till the twenty second of April. Yes. It's on until the twenty second of April. Yeah. And um yeah, please go and see this show if you get a chance to. And then if not, you'll be able to go to Queer Space. Queer Circle. Queer Circle, sorry. Yes. You'll be able to go to Queer Circle, which is an inaugural show will be That's in right. year with Dan. That's right, and it's gonna be called Let Me Hold You. Yeah. Beautiful <clears throat> title. It's a great title. Thanks for listening, everyone. We'll be back very soon. Bye, Nicola. Bye. Bye, bye. Bye, bye. You've been listening to Talk Art with Robert Diamond and Russell Tovey. Follow us on Instagram at Talk Art, where you can view images of all artworks discussed in today's episode, with music by Jack Northover. Subscribe to Talk Art at Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Acast, or wherever it is that you get your podcasts. Give us a rating and write us a comment. Thanks for listening. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com